And there came a day, a day unlike... Wait, no, that's been done. Hmm. Who knows what evil lurks and... No, that is that other thing. What has yellow skin and rights? Ah, forget it. You're listening to Panelology. Excelsior, oh, damn it. Welcome to episode 173 of Panelology. I'm Alex. I'm Jenna. Oh, wait. And I'm oh, Jenna. So, so you got to throw in that and there. I was sitting there waiting like, where's Brian? Brian down. I almost said, and I'm Brian. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm still asleep. Pardon me. I'm, I mean, okay. I started to say, welcome to auditions. Let me give you this form and this information <laughs> sheet. Because I've spent my day running auditions. Nice. Uh, and I just had the spiel down. I had it on autopilot. It was going. It was smooth. It was great. I'm a weirdo who actually enjoys auditions. I've always been a weirdo who enjoys auditions. Because I never have to audition because I don't act. I mean, I've always been a weirdo who enjoys auditions. And I do act and have to audition. Yeah. I just They're just fun. There's just a weird energy. They're just fun. Yeah. And it's like, if you're an actor, sometimes, sometimes depending on the director... It is the most creative you will get to be during the entire process. This is also true. Uh, but we should talk about comics and not about auditions. Yeah. I mean, we could week? talk about mud. We could talk about mud. How do you feel about <laughs> mud? Uh, it turns out that, it, like, I love it. I love it. It turns out I love mud. What I don't love is uh, being in Conyers at noon running in August. I don't love that, as it turns out. I don't love it no, at all. No, today's a bad day to be extant, let alone outdoors. Yeah. Yeah, so I was already like, we got there and checked our bags in. I did the, the, I don't remember what it's called anymore. This is how damn tired I am. I did the Rugged Maniac uh, Obstacle Course 5K. And we got there, checked our bags in, and it was so hot that I, as a person who, you know, generally it takes a lot to make me sweat, like a lot. It takes a lot of effort to make me sweat. I was puddled. <laughs> I was so everything, sweaty. Everything you just described, plus like on repeat, this one specific Estonian chamber music composer <laughs> is my definition of hell. Yeah. Yeah. And before you can even start the race, you have to jump over a barricade, like a four foot tall barricade. So, like, no. there's obstacles no, before the obstacles. <laughs> so I was like, oh, this is I don't have not going to be good. <laughs> I um, can stay home. We get, like, a mile in, and my blood pressure shoots through the roof. <laughs> so I had to sit down for quite a while before I could keep going. I do not know why you do these things to yourself. I, I don't know. I don't know. But then there was this obstacle where you, like, crawl backwards through the mud while propelling yourself, like, on a fence, on a big metal fence it's a lot it's weird okay it's really weird but after i did that i was like fuck it i'm energized let's go <laughs> get about another mile down the road and i'm like uh no this i actually will die here this is it i'm i am doing a dead i just caught the face <laughs> i'm making in my own like the webcam in the small corner like picture in picture style uh -huh. I look like my dog died. As you are describing <laughs> yeah. this, I just look more and more like I'm getting the worst news of my life. Imagine that face, but on me, and also purple and sweaty. And that is what it looked like when I realized that I still had another mile and some change to go, plus more obstacles. 
the obstacles like but weirdly enough like when i got to the obstacles and stopped took took some breaths and then just did them like i felt fine doing the obstacles it was the running in between them that i was like this i i will die i will die here <laughs> no no yeah. to all of that yeah <laughs> I refuse. Look, if any, if you ever hear me in a future episode talk about doing any of this, I have been replaced by aliens. Yeah, it's a replicant, Alex. It's not, it's not real. Or I am under some kind of mind control. <laughs> Somehow or I convince Alex to do a mud run in December. Look, you have convinced me to do many, many things <laughs> over the course of our friendship. I won't do that. Acceptable. I I fully support your decision to not ever fucking do this to yourself. Because I hurt everywhere now. Maybe someone has flayed me alive and is wearing an Alex costume and is doing this in that. (laughs) That is also a way that this would happen. Yeah. I feel like there's somebody listening to this right now going, damn, bitch, you's out of shape. And let me tell you, yes, I am. Yes. Yes, I am. I feel like there's probably someone out there listening to this as I describe flaying me and wearing me as a skin suit who has a weird boner. Oh, yeah. Probably, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> we should move on now. We, oh, yeah, probably. Yeah. Not only can we, we should. Yeah, yeah. I am glad you survived. I'm glad the obstacle course didn't kill you. Please stop hurting yourself. It was fun, though. Self-flagellation. Yay! Second coming, number two. <laughs> Self-flagellation. Yay! Oh, wait. Um. Maybe at the end a little bit. Yeah. There's some At good, least some good Jesus in here. The only time, the only time in your life you will utter those words. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that is that is the truth. This is the only good book involving Jesus. Yeah. And Mark Russell, if you're listening, please make that the uh, pull quote on the trade. Yeah, probably won't, though. Probably not. He's not. <laughs> also he that. could be. He could be. But should he? But he's not. Well... <laughs> Uh, we can't all be Jeff Goldblum. It's true. Um, um, Sun God, is that his name? Sun God? Sunstar. Sunstar. Uh, Sunstar decides to go all macho toxic masculine. Oh my God. To go all Old Testament after God takes him aside and basically tells him to do that <laughs> in the greatest single environment setting in any comic book mm. in history. It was wonderful. The food court of heaven filled with dead restaurant chains. Yep. Most of them, most of those restaurant chains passed away in 2000 and was it 11 yeah i was like oh wow that's like five of them Ooh. recession killed restaurant chains <laughs> imagine um also that page made me realize god looks a lot like kenny rogers yeah and i i almost feel like that's intentional and i it love must it be. <laughs> it's very good yeah um and then maybe sunstar does an oopsie oh yeah sunstar does a big damn oopsie ignores jesus yeah that's what happens when you ignore Jesus. Like I'm the sure things he actually says, and not the things that maybe people tell you he means. Yeah, yeah. I feel like this book has like a really also Mark Russell. Mark Russell has a very deep understanding of Jesus in the Bible. Yeah, very deep, very good understanding. Um, and is good at presenting th- the Jesus of the Bible in this world, not everyone's interpretation of jesus in the bible in this world when we started this podcast did you ever think it would turn into us talking about what is the right depiction of jesus i you know what no <laughs> just no because i try so hard not to talk about yeah. the good good uh heaven boy with anyone I mean, ever yeah like I was raised in a Baptist church, and I'd be lying if I said, like, okay, there is not some amount of morality that came from there. Has Christianity in America jumped the shark? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I actually have a quote of, quote of the week from this book, by the way. Jenna's quote of the week, by the way. <laughs> 
so I've had this conversation with several people this week before I before I even read this book before it was released on Wednesday I'd had this conversation with several people because my family always wants to talk to me about religion because you know going to hell and all that yeah um my I cannot make my family understand or people other people who are not in my family that I do not need a promise of something coming after this world to be a good person right like that maybe fundamentally defeats the point right yeah and and there's actually a moment in this book where Jesus is like, the greatest temptation in the world isn't to do evil, but the need to be seen doing good. And I feel yes. like that's a lot of what has like steered me the fuck away from religion. Is that religion is sort of a social media thing at this yeah, point. I mean, and look, like, before anyone accuses us of painting with too broad a brush, of course there are good Christians. Of course, Just like yes. there are good Muslims and right. good Jewish people and good atheists and good Zoroastrian practitioners like Freddie Mercury. Indeed. Yeah. Um, in case you're out there thinking, name one. I just did. Huh. But like, it's, my problem is not like in and of itself Christianity. It is organized religion and the way that those in power tend to abuse it for their own goals or biases. Yeah, absolutely. And the way that that trickles down through people who, in good faith, often, at least initially, like, come to that. Mm Mm-hmm, yep. Like, that's the tension that I feel like this is really preying on. Yes, because in this one, Sunstar uses his powers to... intimidate somebody into leaving his wife alone and turns out it was the wrong fucking person yeah just it's just stupid it's just just so stupid just so stupid this is after sunstar has already killed a bunch of dudes dressed as aliens yes alien robots yeah 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 and he's just like he's just like in a support group not not like a weird prison that can contain him he killed like a lot of dudes he killed so many dudes yeah, it was very weird. This was a yeah. very good issue, though. So good. Hey, you know what else was so good? Yes. What? Once in Future, number oh, one. It was so very good. And it was what? weirdly like a very fast read for me. This was one of two books this week with great old lady protagonists. Yeah, yeah. Grandma is such a badass. I love her so much. I love the like... Or Gran, sorry. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess, I guess putting the cart before the horse here, but my favorite part is definitely like her tossing her grandson this spear and then using him as bait while she does what she yes. really needs to do. Oh, yes. It's so wonderful. Uh, someone has found a scabbard in a lake <laughs> that has dried up in what these characters describe as a very fortuitously timed drought. And that scabbard, we learn later, belonged to one Arthur. Mm-hmm pin dragon uh and there's an article about or a story about this on the news and this old lady in a retirement home sees this story and like runs away interrupting (laughs) the worst date no false not even not even the worst date a bearably bad date Uh how's that all right like they're both taking it in stride even they're like yeah this is bad right yeah this is bad okay but it wasn't the worst and it was short right um and he finds her in the woods unearthing a collection of various weapons so good including excalibur because they have to stop the prophecy about arthur returning in britain's darkest time indeed i love how i love how she clarifies to him when he says oh my god you have king arthur's sword she's like no 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 he borrowed it this belongs to the ladies of the lake. Yeah. I was like, yeah, fuck him. 
Right? No. I, I love Arthurian legend. Yeah, it's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the design for the questing beast in here. Beast in here. Mm-hmm. It's very good. Uh, the art in this is Dan Mora. The color is Tamra Bonvillain. Bonvillain. I don't actually know. Hey, a name I'm bad at. Go figure. <laughs> Sorry. Um, like the coloring is so good and the art is so good in general. But like, I love this whole like this whole chase sequence where he's bait. But the questing beast in general, like, it's so energetic and bright and colorful. And I guess Gillen's stuff is often kind of bright and colorful, but this feels, if not more upbeat, less cynical than a lot of Gillen stuff does. Yeah, which. I mean, I love Gillen in general, don't get me wrong, but I think that might be why this stands out to me, is because I expected something way darker. I feel like I've rambled a lot about this one. You go. <laughs> no, I agree. And I I did not expect this sort of, like, punchy, poppy color palette. Yeah. Mostly because it's not Matt Wilson doing it, Um, honestly. Yeah. But for this book, I, I would have expected anybody else to, like, do something darker, grittier. It's Knights of the Round Table stuff. It's gotta be dark. They dance whenever they're able. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Anything else? Nope. It's a good book. I like it. Omni number one. This is the newest Humanoids H1 shared universe uh, book following Ignition and, or Ignited and Strange Lands. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is about a doctor whose power is actually a little different than what I understood it to be from like solicitation text. It it described as like in a moment she can sort of process all the ways a situation can go. Mm-hmm. That's not exactly what it is. It's something a little more nuanced and a little cooler than that. It's it's built on the idea of like multiple intelligences, like these nine, I think, specific kinds of intelligence. And it's not simply that in a moment she can process everything in terms of outcome. It's that in a moment she can process everything in terms of type of intelligence. So in these moments you see like nine different versions of her in a spread each in a different color that correlates to a different thought balloon and you see those through the the issue whenever she's like problem solving like these different colors where these different kinds of intelligence will pop up but like it's literally her in like nine different places at once in the room solving different problems with different skill sets and then kind of like integrating those solutions to one thing to solve whatever she's dealing with so at the top of the issue it's she is working with doctors without borders and operating on a young boy Boy, and these two like rebel fighters come in with their friend who's been injured and they're gonna like hold up the place and threaten to kill people unless she works on them and make her stop with the boy who she's got like open on the operating table mm-hmm. and it's all these processes of all right this one's right in the cabinet i need to deal with him what argument can i make to him to get him to stop and i've had the song stuck in my head for two weeks and okay i need to convince these two i need to play to their sympathy because or i need to play to their their logic because i've got to make them think that it's better for them to protect us while they do this than threaten to kill us so i can keep this boy alive and like all these different like individual pieces and then you see kind of the scene play out and how she actually uses all these pieces Hmm. and all of that's like over the course of three pages pages damn yeah it's 
Like, there's a really great economy of storytelling and art in this. Um, and the artist on this is Aletha E. Martinez. And it's written by Devin Grayson. Um, and from there, it's there's even a line near the end of the issue about, you keep thinking of this as a superhero story. This is a medical mystery. Hmm. Um, so it's very much like playing against kind of the things we've seen in the other two H1 books. Um, obviously, we're very early in each of them. I think this is the strongest first issue of the three so far very cool i really like i was surprised kind of by this one i liked the first two uh, yeah. uh ignited and and strange lands a lot but this one really like really surprised me in a good way Ooh. okay jen yes a book i know you will have things to say about because i know what this book is about okay and it's like it was written for you the white trees number one. Oh, the thirst trap number one <laughs> it is like chip said how do i write a book specifically for jen and like chris anka said how do i draw a book specifically for Jen. Spoiler alert, you put some dicks in it. <laughs> and a lot of people put a lot of dicks in places in this book. Yeah, yes they do. You're so right. Um, so this is the first of two issues of this micro series, barely mm-hmm. a mini series. Um, and y- you have these three characters who used to be warriors. I don't even remember their names because they are fantasy names. And I don't try to remember fantasy names. Yeah, I mean... One of them is Donval, the, the and that's most, the big cat dude. The most fantasy-ass fantasy names. Most fantasy-ass fantasy names. It is... It's very good. But... Their names are Scottiar. Scotia. Uh, Dovlin. Scotia, I hardly know her. <laughs> Gave it to you. There you go. And, uh... Krylos. Okay. Yep. Dovler? Right. Cat dude. All right. Cool. Um, yeah, so you... Scotia or Scotty or whatever the fuck his name is. Um, and Big Cat Dude have sort of like found each other after this mm-hmm. big war has taken place and, and grown closer and actually become a couple. Mm-hmm. But the other guy that starts with a K, uh, I'm just has gonna keep that page open. Sort of, yeah, just Carlos. 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 Um, he has sort of secluded himself. And pushed himself away from people and focused on raising his son, but Maybe not, maybe not done the best job at it. And they're all called to the king's court where the king tells them, hey, your kids have been abducted and I can't do anything about it. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Can't do it. So don't you do it. You should go home. We're handling it. I swear. Hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Whatever you do, don't take this information that you didn't have that I am giving you right now and do anything with it. Right. (laughs) Which way, Krylos is like, okay, ready yeah, to sure. go home. I'm going home. I guess you got this, right? But you're just like, what dad? What, what dad? What dad? A sad dad. Sad dad does it. Um, But I don't know that every sad dad would do it. Nobody knows what it's like to be a sad dad. Behind blue eyes. Because he actually does have them. But like weirdly blue. Like his scleras are black. It's cool. It's cool. Cool. Cool design, Chris Franca. I like it. Good, good. Good, good, Krasanka. And nice blue colors, Matthew Wilson. Oh, very good colors in this book. Um, yeah, so we find out that the these children, these two children, who are not children anymore so much, uh, have found each other somehow mm-hmm. and started a relationship because, of course, they don't, none of them listen to the king when he says that they can't go look for their kids. Uh, did you no, get that? Not. Did you get that? They did a good dad thing and they went and looked for their babies? Cool. Krylos does go too. Right. Yeah, I, I, 
I kind of feel like he was just saying that he was going home, but he was really going to go look for the children. I mean, maybe that would track actually. Yeah. yeah. Like, okay, cool. I'm going home. Bye. Fuck you, buddy. Because uh, he's carrying a lot of guilt. Yes. He's carrying a whole hell of a lot of guilt. So much guilt that the woodland creatures that try to seduce people with their desires they don't can get no do desires nothing. <laughs> yeah. It, like, kills one. It, it actually, like, kills one. Yeah. Because he has nothing. He just has, like, sorrow. And that's it. And I was just like, man, this man needs a hug. If there is a continuum, and one end of that continuum is no regerts, the other end is Krylos. Yeah. All regerts. All regerts all the time. Yeah, yeah. So this this whole book was pretty tame for the most part. Um, even up to when the first wood spirit appears, and I was like, oh, okay, well, that's a naked person, that's fine. And then the next page is just like this like demon looking guy with his dick all out. All kinds out. And I was like, mm-hmm. Oh oh it's oh it's this book. Okay. It is going to be, in fact, this book. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, yep. So, you know, expect dicks, including main I mean, character dicks. I would say expect genitalia of all shapes and sizes. Yeah, also that. Also, also that. Yes. Um, I don't know if you noticed. I actually did not notice. Someone on Twitter pointed this out. I think one of the creators on the book retweeted it. Uh, the title for the issue is The White Trees, A Black Sand Tale. Yeah. So the implication being maybe this is part of a larger like world or universe and that maybe we'll get these two issues, but then some also other short form stories in the same locales. We, that's... One of the things that Brian and I had said, like, last week, I think, that, that we were hoping that that's yeah. what that meant. Well, there there was something retweeted this week about that as well. Like, kind of, again, probably, I think it was by one of the creators, so maybe reinforcing that idea optimistically. Very cool. Because the other comment has been, at no time, at this time, there are no plans to collect this. Because mm-hmm. it will only be 60 issues, or 60 pages. I was about to say, 60 issues? 60 yes. pages. <laughs> Um, you got the physical copy of this book, right? Is it is it a thick boy? Uh, I mean, it's a pretty standard size. It's a little thicker than okay. the average. So it, it would not shelf well. No, it's okay. like regular staple bound. Gotcha. It's not for shelving. Cool. Anything else? Nope. All right, time to check in on Absolute Carnage. First, Scream number one. This was fun. You are probably more the target audience for this if you read Colin Bunn's Venom Run. Mm. uh, And or have more working knowledge of the 90s to early 2000s iterations of Scream. Um, there's not a lot of context for who these characters are if you don't fall into that category. And I, I don't really, I kind of know Andy, the, the newer, uh, Mania, the newer symbiote host who, like, Mania is either a piece of or offspring of Scream. I think a piece of Scream. Um, I know Andy a little bit. I don't know these other two characters at all. I don't really have that context. It was still fun. It was not very deep without Okay, that. okay. Um, the issue kind of introduces one of them just in terms of like, I was dead and here's how I'm alive again. And we see sort of the two of them, like the two older, older iterations of Scream kind of come into conflict and one of them takes out the other. And then that one goes on to track down Andy, who we saw in one of the recent web of Venom one shots. Okay. 
Um, so all of this, I'm sure, will feed into <clears throat> Absolute Carnage as well. Um, like, Scream definitely seems to have this place as maybe, like, lieutenant to Carnage as this kind of, like, not at the top of the pecking order and not even necessarily taking orders from directly, but, like, this stronger symbiote, this agent of, of like, chaos of wiping out people. Okay. Because uh, we don't see the symbiotes attack a lot of just civilians in Absolute Carnage and the, the build-up to it. Um, there is a very cool variant that is Mike Allred, yes. and I presume also Laura Allred because she colors all of Mike's stuff, uh, that is a parody of the or an homage to the uh uh not clamp fuck um the scream the painting the scream uh i think it might be monk edvard monk okay monk. um it's this variant that is an homage of the edvard monk painting the scream and it is just one of my favorite variants i have ever seen the other absolute carnage book this week is separation anxiety which i thought was a three issue miniseries this one is actually a one shot um it is about the other four life academy symbiotes scream being the fifth but the other four life academy symbiotes which after deadpool versus carnage had gone into hiding fused together and pretending to be a dog (laughs) showing up in this suburban house or at the suburban house where like the husband and wife of these two or the, the father and mother of these two kids this husband and wife are like getting ready to split up and like she's taking the kids with her and they're screaming at each other and the daughter is just sitting on the front porch being like I wish something would put my family back together I hate this I hate this fighting I don't want to go I don't want to leave and this dog wanders up and she like takes in this dog this dog is those four life academy symbiotes and they grant her her wish and first they take the mom and the dad and like she and her little brother are like running through the house trying to escape and they're trying to take them um and that is the whole issue is like just this family dealing with these symbiotes coming in to try to grant this wish uh it's like a good horror one shot it's twisted um the art is really like like grotesque and grimy and cool um and then yeah like this will also lead directly into stuff going on in absolute carnage cool yeah sounds terrifying yeah it's also definitely like if you're not a big venom carnage history buff and again i am not that yeah uh this is i think a more accessible thing to jump into without outside contact nice yeah so like one for kind of longtime fans, one for newbies. Um, Gwynpool Strikes Back. I'm going to be super quick on this one because I didn't want to not mention it because it's new and it's very good. And I want people to buy it because I want more Gwynpool in my life. And both literally and narratively, Gwynpool is under constant threat of no longer existing if people forget her and don't buy her. I will be reading it and talking about the next one. So please buy this book, people. Yes. Um, I don't want to say much more than that because while this issue is fun and cool, I think issue two will give us more to talk about. This issue structurally is like a closed time loop, the closing of which sets up what is to come, I believe. Uh, It's also Leah Williams taking over writing Gwen. Um, Christopher Hastings had written her ongoing before. It's still very good Gwen. Nice. Um, the biggest change is the introduction of like, kind of like in the Daniel Way run of Deadpool, where he had like these other voices that would show up as text boxes. She has intrusive thoughts that show up as like editorial balloons and text boxes. <laughs> nice. And some of them communicate in memes. No. Loki number two. <laughs> Do you know what made me so happy about this before we get into it? Uh... 
No, tell me. It is the first time since Al Ewing's run, I believe, that I've that I've seen that I've read that Loki has referenced that a Loki ongoing has referenced that Loki canonically is gender fluid and sometimes yeah. appears as a woman. Yeah. We don't see Loki in a more female presenting body, but it at least like for the first time since Secret Wars mm-hmm. acknowledges that as still being Yeah. Loki. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty great too. He goes to see Tony and Tony superimposes himself it- onto the digital body of his assistant that wasn't friday that was just just a digital assistant right yeah okay um and loki goes you know i usually prefer more corsets and fur but it is damn hot right now in new york (laughs) i was like "It's, it's just damn hot loki is just damn hot yeah um this is another book that like i enjoyed the first issue but the second gives me more to like look forward to yeah. As an ongoing. This second issue, like the first one was really good. This is yeah. so good. This is better. Yeah. It is so good. This really um, sets the tone for what the series is going to be going forward. Yes. And I am very excited for that. Loki has asked Thor if he can join the Avengers. <laughs> and that was Thor's response. Laughter in Loki's yeah. face. Yeah. So Loki goes to Tony and tells him that Thor said to ask Tony... If he could have joined the Avengers. Pretty great. Playing to his ego. Yeah. Like, did he really? Yes. And Tony's response is that Loki can join the Avengers if the next time Tony sees him, he walks in carrying Mjolnir. Yeah. To which Loki replies, all right. Challenge accepted. Yeah. Done and done. And Tony's like, what? He's like, nothing. No. I know something. Yeah. This is is pretty fantastic. Yeah. We also see uh, Nightmare Return to Earth to seek vengeance, which I think this is probably the most legitimately terrifying I have ever seen Nightmare. Yeah. Like, usually it's like literal nightmares. This was like actually horrible and like existentially frightening. Yeah. What if you never went to that party? What? And then girlfriend's just gone. There's only one toothbrush in the the bathroom. And just the way that that was written. I was just like, oh, my heart. Oh. Oh, my heart. Because those are the things that you notice. Yeah. Those are the things that make you break down and cry for, like, hours. Mm-hmm. Like, ow, somebody has hurt you. How does someone who spends his days writing and sitting in the Colbert writer's room make things that are also so sad? No, just, just like, talent. Being good That's talent. How. Yeah, yeah. Ta- talent. Talent. Lots of talent. Probably somebody yeah. hurt them. Even if it was himself. Yeah. I don't remember who this is. Who is this writing? Kibble Smith. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Poor Kibble Smith. Also, that low-key t-shirt is very good. Yes. Oh, I loved it. I had to turn to Mike and I was like, see, you get it? Because he's because he's trying to be undercover? Yeah. Uh, no? Okay. Yeah. It made Mike. me think of American Gods. Right. Mike was like, yes, Neil Gaiman, we get it. Am I the only person on Earth who did not catch that Loki Lysmith was Loki yes, from the get-go? Yes, you are literally the only person. Yes. I don't mean on the show, I mean reading the book the first time. Yeah. Okay. That's what I mean. Just making sure. I wanted to make sure that the bar was sufficiently low <laughs> for me to not clear it. <laughs> Let me just uh, limbo right under that. Yeah. yeah. Powers of Tin, number two. This book is so very good. This book is so very good, and at the risk of sounding like a broken record, I loved Powers of Ted number one, mm-hmm. but this issue benefits from, I mean, one issue of Powers of Ten, but functionally three issues of world building. Yeah. To finally, like, even still with us getting all four points in time, like, 
breathe a little and take a little more time and show us a little more of the world. Yeah. Especially, like, the Tin to the Third world. Mm-hmm. Um, we know now who Mutant Swamp Thing is. I miss... I missed that. It's Krakoa inhabiting Cypher's body. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. No, I did. Because okay. yep. he, mentions, he mentions that this body created a language and right. could talk to anything. And in House of X number one, we see Cypher creating Krakoa's language. Right. Um, and unlike Swamp Thing, there is a fleshy human center. He's not all plant. <laughs> Just the consciousness is gone and the plant has completely taken over and is driving and keeping the body alive. Yeah. Which is somehow what Swamp Thing aspires to. (laughs) (laughs) And the character I thought was Zorn is Zorn. Yep. And we learn who leads the X to the third, 10 to the third team. Indeed. Who is that? Hold on. This was the first book I read. Oh. I'll (laughs) tell you. It was Apocalypse. Oh, right. Oh, yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah, sorry, everything is like mooshing together right now. Trust me, I understand. It was a 32 <laughs> book week for me, and I read all of them yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck that. All right. Yeah, as soon as Apocalypse, I don't know what book I thought that was, where I was like, oh, we got some Apocalypse this week, but obviously it was this one. The only X-Men book. The, yeah. Hmm. Imagine that. Yeah, as soon as he popped up on the page, I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. And at the end of that that the the tin to the third scene when he's like oh no we don't have to be stealthy i'm gonna lead yeah no we're just gonna do it all right yeah um we also see going back in time at tin to the zero we see moira tin and charles recruit magneto yes it's pretty wonderful he's like this there's no tricks just let me show you what's gonna happen if you don't trust me that's fine charles but just know that if you hesitate i won't right I love how he's like, I'm going to call you on your shit. Yeah. I wouldn't expect any of this. Also, um, it will be done in 10, uh, 10 to the, t- 10 to the second, 10 squared Cyclops. Mm-hmm. Does it need to be done? Then it will be done. Yeah. That's some, some damn good Cyclops. Yeah. Talk less, Scott. <laughs> What's that? A Cyclops who can't be wishy-washy and constantly going on about how his girlfriend is dead? Hmm. Yeah. An effective person? Oh, what? And look, at some point in the future, it's going to be revealed that something terrible has been done or is being done to him. And look, I know. I get it. I'm not saying <laughs> I want Cyclops to suffer. <laughs> not necessarily true. I'm not saying I want Scott Summers to suffer. I'm saying that Scott Summers is his most interesting when he doesn't get the time to be indecisive. Yeah. If he cannot, if he does not have time to internalize something or is not capable of introspection. Yeah. He is, he is at his best. Yeah. (laughs) And that's Uh, sad. Because he just overthinks everything literally everything and he is a tool both in the oh <laughs> and in the literal sense he is oh. very clearly being used as a tool by charles and magneto i just still like scott summers i hate kyle oh. rayner i love scott summers what is that um yeah i don't know i don't know what that is i mean they're effectively like the same person more or less oh i think i hate scott summers now welcome to the club oh <laughs> sad what happened in the very far future in 10 to the third 10 to the third yeah 10 to the third the character that we do not know the name of yet and nimrod um sort of recreate or awaken the phalanx oh right that was the that was what happened i loved that so much 
Have we ever talked on the show about my bizarre and inexplicable love for the X-Men character Warlock? Yeah, I think we have. I mean, if not on the show, then you and I definitely have. I have what is probably most easily qualified as a bizarre and inexplicable love of the character Warlock, especially given that I've basically read little to no New Mutants, and all I can attribute it to is probably that, like, two-part episode of the X-Men animated series. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I love Warlock, and by extension, anything having to do with, like, the phalanx. Yeah. Like, invading as part of that and part of any excuse to actually use some Warlock or Warlock lore, I really dig. And Mm -hmm. uh, the phalanx showing up and actually getting some explanation of, like, technarchs and phalanx and, like, the world mind and everything relative to one another. Uh, I really dug. We actually have very little, like, Hickman pages in this. Mm -hmm. By which I mean charts and graphs and dossiers. Yeah, and this one was almost purely dossiers. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But even then, we only have, like, a total of three, maybe four pages of those in all this. Which, I love those, but like I said, this is a good time that Hickman knows what he's doing. Yeah, and he inserts everything like, oh, hey, you're wondering about this, aren't you? Here it is. Like, the placement of it is always perfect because you're going, oh, fuck, I forgot about this. What's that go? What's going on with that right now? We also get, um, at least I think this is the case. I feel like this has been to hint at it. We get an explanation implicitly of what all the like dressing around those dossier pages on the title pages is supposed to be like the uh if you're on the title page like in the top corner the square bracket zero zero underscore powers underscore of underscore x close square bracket like yeah. kind of stuff um did you notice this or is this just me reading too much into something maybe that that's exactly how the phalanx talk that that's that's the way that uh in the hundred year the 10 to the 10 squared that when Krakoa decodes the data stolen from Nimrod, that is the index mm-hmm. of all of the the Techno Organic Alliance's files, that that is how all of that is coded. Oh, I didn't. I didn't, yeah, on, I didn't notice that. On the page where that is decrypted, it's different content there. It's not like a screenshot of one of those shrunk down. Right. But... It's kind of phrased in the same sort of square brackets, node, whatever, Genesis protocols, slash version, slash Nimrod. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think that's maybe the conceit there, that all of the information of this is something that is being pulled out of these Nimrod files. Mm-hmm. Or at least all of the dossier pages. But since it's on the title pages, I feel like maybe it's the whole thing, too. I'm sure we'll get specifics yeah. yeah eventually yes uh, i'm 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 here for this ride i am waiting to see yeah i could i could just talk about these books forever for days for days but we're not gonna do that we're gonna talk about silver surfer black number three yes yeah. um we haven't talked much about silver surfer black yet no because i missed the second book but if nothing else and we'll say other things too but if nothing else i want to say one thing about this issue holy fuck this trippy art yes it is insane and amazing and i love it yes it is like it's like oily almost yeah it's like it's like watching a comic form in a lava lamp yes that's exactly what it's like that was exactly my thought when i was reading this book it's Tradmore. yeah um and like Tradmore has kind of a, a sort of elongated like really heavily stylized look to his stuff but i feel like even more than a lot of other stuff of his i've seen it does feel like people's mo- bodies are kind of melting in and out yeah, on the it's page. like you're viewing it through various concave and convex lenses yeah like 
not only do you have these crazy, crazy layouts, but the images inside a panel in those layouts have the same quality of amorphousness and blending and flowing internally. Like the physical structure of the layout of the page also has. Yeah. Which, given how this opens, clearly like history is in flux. I mean, he gets thrown into the past, basically. So history is definitely in flux. Yeah. But, like, at the top of this issue, who comes to destroy Zinla? Not Galactus! No. No, it's, it's a big, big surfer boy. It's a big, big, oil-slick surfer boy. Yeah. God, just and, the colors on his body. Yeah. By the way. So good. And he does not bargain. No. That was crazy. That was really yeah. crazy. Like, I read that sequence thing, like, okay, he's gonna meet Galactus, we're gonna see this bit, and it'll have been changed in, like, some way, maybe, a little bit. It's like, nope, Galactus isn't here. No, it's another world eater. But he does, hey, that good, good Donny Cates, he does meet Galactus before this is over. Yes. Ish. He he gets the baby Hitler scenario. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um also baby ego yeah that god like of all the things ego is there yeah. um and i do appreciate both you know black and white just the text of it and also just the subtext of it of the silver surfer asking if it's okay to enter the atmosphere and land yeah i loved that that was so good and i love that he was like yeah i would never invade your privacy like that uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Get the fuck out of my head. It was very good. This so book good. is just, I th- I am enjoying this book. I mean, it is both eye candy mm-hmm. and really fucking well written. Yes. All right, Jen. Yeah. Tell me about Gangster Ass Barista. So this is a book that is spinning out of the whole Destiny New York stuff, mm-hmm. which is a book about people who um, fulfill their destiny and then what, I mean, what do you do after? So it's this whole town of people who have done their destiny and are just trying to get by. Um, I don't know that how this spins That sounds like out. hell, by yeah, the way. Yeah, it does. It really does. Like, you have nothing like- else to do. The idea of just being done. Yeah. Like, that is so anathema to how my brain works. Yeah. I would be miserable. Yeah. But, you know, I don't. I don't know how all that works because I have not yet read Destiny New York. I was like, sure, sure let's jump in on a spinoff. That's fine. Um, but it is this this young woman working in a coffee shop who was previously part of a few gangs, it seems like. Um, she's done some really terrible stuff and now she's just trying to be a person not doing terrible stuff. Just, just like a neutral person. Yeah. She's not trying to fix the mistakes she's made. She's not trying to do good things. She's just trying to not be bad. Uh, And it seems like it's not really going to be super possible for her. Oh, no. Yeah, because this dude comes in, this, you know, sweaty, drunk guy comes in holding a bag, freaking out on this other dude in front of him. Um, And he ends up causing an altercation with the dude in front of him who who is holding his very tiny son and just turns to this character and says, here, hold my baby. (laughs) I'm like, and that's actually the title of this issue is hold my baby. (laughs) I'm just like... Just this seems like a thing that could actually and would actually happen. Like yeah. I, I feel like I have seen this in public before. <laughs> Somehow I knew there was no way we were getting past that without your saying that you feel like you have firsthand experience with people uttering the words "hold my baby." Well, people have told me to hold their baby while they got into altercations before, but it was not in a public space like a coffee shop. It was like uh... in a home <laughs> or in a yard. <laughs> Hey, y'all, I come from the parks. Um, Weirdly enough, in a yard is where I pictured it. Yeah, yeah, it has happened. Um, But never in public. Uh, That's good. Yeah, I can say that much at least. You know, boundaries are important. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Um, 
this, I don't know, this book is just really good. These characters all have really strong voices. Pat Shand can write a comic. Huh, go figure. Huh, go figure. <laughs> okay, is it still good? Orphanage number five. Um, Albany is under siege, but Princess and company need to get out and get back on the road. Ghosted in LA, number two, Jen. Sometimes you just need to be saved from the weirdos that you go on a date with, even though you didn't want to go on a date with them, by some ghosts. Black Hammer Justice League, number two, Jen. Uh... The Justice League explores the world, the Black Hammer world, and we get a lot of really, really good Colonel Weird Green Lantern. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Um, can we talk about the amazing variant that I found for this? It's just yes, a regular. Can we also talk that talk about the fact that he goes to Bizarro World and it's amazing? Yes. Well, that's related. Oh, good. <laughs> Because Ian Bertram of House of Penance did a Bizarro World variant. Nice. That is a regular. Oh, no. I think I need that. It's just a regular one-to-one cover price. Um, But it is like, I just flashed it at Jen on the webcam and like maybe a third of the detail showed up in it. But it's so, so good. Um, I was flipping through the variants. I'm like, I don't know which one of these I want. These are all good. Oh, no. Now I know. It's that one. (laughs) Uh, Batman and the Outsiders, number four. The Outsiders team members and Batman start figuring out how to help each other out and be better people and not just better heroes with each with each other. While Rachel Ghoul trains his new sidekick. Aww. Catwoman number 14. Uh, so this is Rom V writing and uh, Mirka Aldolfo on art. It's one of two issues that they're doing. They're doing this in 15 together. It's a two-part story. And uh, just as a quick aside, because I almost I almost put this on to talk about, but I'm the one who read it. Uh, that sounds passive-aggressive when it's just two of us. Mm. Jin didn't get a chance mm. to read it. Um, Mirka Aldolfo. I think I said Aldolfo. Uh, it's so good, and the art is, like, such great Catwoman art. I mean, I love what Joel Jones normally does, but... Yeah. Mirka Andolfo is a good fit for the character, too. Uh, okay, back to format. Selena finds out how she can get dirt on the big Villahermosa crime family, and then finds out that every crime leader in the world is trying to kill her and using this as bait. Oh, no. P.S. There's some gentleman ghost. Ooh! Yeah. It's a good fucking issue. Collapser number two. Um, now that the collapser has taken hold, maybe the barriers of reality are not all they seem, or or maybe the main character is having some sort of psychological crisis. Hint, it's not that second thing. <laughs> Event Leviathan, number three. Uh, Red Hood makes everyone look like a bunch of suckers. <laughs> And then Amanda Waller makes everybody look like a bunch of suckers. Nice. I love this book so much. The Flash number 76. Barry tries to make amends with Wallace and Avery as everyone has to address the speed force beginning to sputter. Wonder Woman number 76, uh, Veronica. Diana introduces Kale to Themyscira. (laughs) Red Sonia number 7. Sonia stages an ambush and that's it. Sonia stages an ambush. Okay. Xena, Warrior Princess number (sighs) 5. 
Discord might like these mortals a little better than she lets on and definitely likes them better when they're not vampires. Outer Darkness number nine. <laughs> You're laughing because of how many of these I have to yes. do. <laughs> yes. I meant no Out- who would do that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Laugh it up. Uh, Outer Darkness number nine. The crew happens upon a space station like botany experiment lab botany lab uh that is full of dead people and also cursed swords Hmm. reaver number two not me the gang has an altercation with some tribeless people and uh, we see some pretty interesting fun cool magic stuffs unnatural number 12 the final issue leslie dies dot 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 her hair (laughs) oh shit there's another page marvel right (laughs) the amazing spider-man number 27 uh peter and boomerang team up to fight off the syndicate and spider-man promises may parker that he will save peter's roommate from the syndicate captain marvel number nine um brian is not here to give his quote of the week and i do not know that this was the final decision for brian's quote of the week but immediately upon reading this i sent it to brian because captain marvel's early in the alphabet and i figured he'd probably already got to it but uh i'm going to declare this brian's asterisk maybe not quote of the week carol has gone to tony finally for diagnosis and what is wrong with her and her powers gotta get to the photo There we go. Nope, wrong photo. That's Iron Man. (laughs) That's Gwynpool dabbing. Here we go. (laughs) So Tony finds something and doesn't know what it is. Just knows that it's probably what's going on and says he needs to run more tests and scan more and all that. And Carol is not down with that. And Tony says, you'll understand immediately why I felt the need to make sure Brian was aware of this and why we both appreciated it. I know you think all this fancy equipment means I just go beep boop beep and get a sciencey printout with the answers, but that's not how it works. Carol, be a lot cooler if it did. (laughs) There is no way, no way in hell that Kelly Thompson has not at some point worked in IT. Yeah. No way. Because I felt very seen by Tony Stark in this issue. (laughs) And I know Brian did too. I have thought about saying those words to people before. Anyway. It's good. Uh, Doctor Strange, number 17. Uh, All magic has a cost, and maybe remaking the universe after making a deal with Mephisto has a significant one. Uh Uh-oh. Fantastic Four, number 13. We finally learn who is stronger, Hulk or the Thing. And uh, poor Hulk, or poor Thing, poor Ben Grimm chooses the wrong time to uh, get knocked unconscious for a week. Oh, Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man number 10. This is the other coolest old lady superhero this week. I love me the rumor and I love Peter's solution to uh, the rumor's villain and the Prowler needing a change of life, basically. (laughs) Invaders number eight. Uh, Namor B. Cray. I think that just sums up Invaders. Yeah. Um, I don't know. This this is a new level, I think, even for Namor. Mm. Ironheart number nine. Riri Williams meets Shuri, and they do not get along, and it's beautiful. <laughs> Miles Morales, Spider-Man number nine. Miles's father and Miles's uncle Aaron the Prowler team up to bust out Niles from Miles, not Niles, not Fraser Crane's brother. <laughs> bust out Miles from evil experimentation place. 
Nice. Good. Also, I think I have decided who I want to play Miles' father if they ever do a live-action Miles Morales movie. Miles' father being, like, a cool spy or ex-spy who's also, like, a really chill dad. Like, a little more in this than in the the Into the Spider-Verse version where he's a cop. The who? Terry Crews. Man, fuck yes. Fuck yes. Yeah. All right. Next week's books to read there. Next week's books to read. Strayed number one. Do you know which book this is, Jen? I was surprised you didn't you didn't mention this one or fight no, me for I this might, one. No, but I might not have like scrolled that far. <laughs> Um, this is a Dark Horse book. Okay, so I definitely scrolled past it then. About, um, a duo trying to take down, like, an evil intergalactic empire or threat of some sort. Yada, yada, yada. The important part is one of them is a cat that can astral project. Oh, no. Oh, no. Well, I'll be getting that, too. Yep. How about Pretty Violent? Yeah, this is a super cute looking book about a young girl who wants to be a superhero, who has superpowers and wants to be a super superhero. But the only problem is that her entire family is a bunch of supervillains. Oops. Oops. Ghost Spider number one. This is a continuation of Spider-Gwen colon Ghost Spider or Ghost Spider colon Spider-Gwen. I forget which way that one went. Um, This sees Gwen hanging out in the 616, going to college. Uh, It continues to be written by... I really hoped by the time I got to this point of the sentence, I would remember who writes this book. By the same writer as the previous run. <laughs> oh no. Um, I apologize. Shauna McGuire. Thank you. Sorry. It took me way too long to come up with. Yeah, I like, my brain kept hanging on Rainbow Rowl, but Rainbow yeah. Rowl is Runaways. Yeah. Um. Anyway, yes, more good, good Ghost Spider, Shannon McGuire. I'm excited. Hey, Jen. Yeah. Bad reception number one. Uh, I don't truly know what this book is about, but I've been seeing the ads for like three months now, I swear. Um, <laughs> it's like a, it's like a wedding reception gone horribly horribly wrong and there's like dark twisted horror shit and social media plays into it and celebrity status in america right now plays into it i think it's gonna be interesting yeah it should be cool it's uh Juan Doe who yeah is like this is his first writing credit he's an artist i really dig in fact he did the cover for strayed i don't know if he's the interior artist um but it's it's his first writing gig very cool and then we both have absolute carnage versus deadpool number one indeed it's it's matthew rosenberg writing yeah these two so i was on the fence on this one and then you said rosenberg and i'm like well fuck gotta read it now yeah yep Excited for that. Deadpool decides to check himself into a mental institution and oops, oh no, Carnage is there. It must be the same one that we see in Absolute Carnage number one, right? It has to be. It has to be. Oh wait, it's you... Ravenscroft, so yeah. 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 I wanted to say Mycroft and I knew that was wrong. It's the Mycroft Institute of being better than your brother. I've seen like one episode of Sherlock, but Mycroft is played by... Uh... Mark Gatiss. Oh wait, I thought Mycroft... Who plays... Oh, damn it. What's his name? He was the voice of the Hitchhiker's Guide and Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the movie. I mean, that's the worst possible way to credit him. And also, as I say that, I'm not actually sure that's right. He was the narrator in Little Big Planet. I don't know. I'm going to look it up just to drag myself <laughs> for crediting him for that first. Stephen Fry. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. No, it's. No. Welcome to the first credits I can pull. No, he was the narrator for Hitchhiker's Guide, too. Yeah. 
I was right on both counts. So at least I wasn't wrong and stupid. I was just stupid in my my choice of credits to name. Um, Stephen Fry's in Sherlock, though, isn't he? Mm, I don't think so. I could have sworn if he, he is, then he's like a small character. But like the show, like like with Benedict Cumbersnatch. Yeah, Benedict Bandersnatch. Yeah. No. No. I mean, I don't think he's in it, but maybe. But I don't think so. Yeah, I think I've just. A lot of people some, are two different people te- yeah, again. Yeah, mm-hmm. Oops. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, never mind me. This was a colossal waste of time. <laughs> uh, anything else? <laughs> uh, no. Uh, don't, don't run in the heat, people. And if you do, stay very hydrated. The more you know. <laughs> yep. Now, does, like, forcing mud into your ears hydrate you, Jen? <laughs> it, weirdly enough, it does not. Uh. It does not. And it just makes you infuriated when you can't fucking hear because there's mud kicked into your ears. The reason it's in my ears, though, is because the guy next to me run er, crawling through the mud puddle splorched it up into my ear canal. That is why it's in my ears. All right. I have a question to ask you when we're off the air. <laughs> um, in the meantime, we would like to thank Chase Parker for our intro voiceover. If you would like to submit questions to us, especially questions for our DragonCon live show coming up, you can do so at panelologypodcast.com uh, or on social media at Panelology. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Panelology. You can buy Panelology merch at bit.ly slash Panelology merch, capital P, capital M. You can see us at DragonCon. Do we want to talk about what our DragonCon books are, finally, since we promised we would tweet about it after the the last episode and then uh both spent the week trying to decide what we wanted our books to be <laughs> uh sure we can what's yours mine is i i picked a super fucking short book mine is volumes one and two of magical beatdown mine is farmhand yes and brian's is ether i'm excited so we are telling you ahead of time so that if you would like to read ahead and know what we're talking about and ask questions about those books while we talk or send us questions about those books ahead of time you are more than welcome to if nobody does those things we will go back to keeping them secret yes if you want more of us talking about things you can listen to minds at york where we talk about animorphs Um, and i'm gonna say this uh the episode that comes out this week as you are listening to this episode of panelology is one of my favorite episodes of any podcast i have ever recorded ever man i'm like i'm so grumpy that i didn't just like hop on and play along you could uh i mean you were stuck at work so right but um i was like so excited after recording this one that i actually had i mean i always have trouble falling asleep but for once it was like kid on christmas excitement because i just wanted to release the episode now that's adorable um I'm very happy with it. I hope it lives up to that hype for everyone involved. I'm Alex. And I'm Jenna. Go Go read read comics. comics. (laughs) 